0: Welcome to the Nine Months Podcast. My name is Phineas, and this is my mama's podcast, and, and here she is. Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa, and you've just tuned into the Nine Months Podcast. Very warmly welcome here. This is my first few episodes that I am going to post out into the world finally. I have tried to record this intro about 50 million times by now and reading from a script, I realized it wasn't really my thing. So I'm just gonna give you a little bit of a little bit of me and this is who I am usually. so that's fine. Um, this is a birth story podcast and I I got really I felt really empowered. Listening to birth stories and reading birth stories throughout my pregnancies. I'm a Swedish person, a Swedish woman living in the Czech Republic at the moment. And my second son was born here. My first son was born in the UK. And I didn't really feel supported by the medical system emotionally supported yes medically but emotionally not so much and I didn't really know what questions I could ask and what questions were even valid and when I started listening to birth stories it's like something clicked there are other women out there going through the same thing or the similar or similar thing to what I'm going through and and this is their experience and I really found power in listening to their words and found that power within myself to confidently walk into my births both times and and this is what what is my passion I would really like to share this with the world because there are so many birth stories out there and each and every one of them is important and as important as the next one so this is my little piece of piece of gift (laughs) to you guys from me this is totally my passion project and I'd like to thank all of the women that have shared their stories with me so far and if you would like to share your story after hearing some of these then please don't hesitate to reach out to me Um, my email is the nine months podcast at gmail.com where the number nine is a number nine and you can also go to my website which is ninemonthspodcast.com also the number nine is a number nine there um yes so this is it guys let's get into these birth stories I really hope you enjoy them In today's story, we're going to be hearing from Paulina with the birth stories of her two little boys. But before we get into the story, I just need to put a little disclaimer here for you guys because we used a little bit of explicit language here and there. It's not much, but if you do have little people next to you while you are listening to this story, just be aware that that might be coming up here and there. Paulina is a wonderful lady with lots of opinions and lots of strong um, things that she did during her pregnancy. So as well as next to the, to the disclaimer that we put in text next to the, to the um, uh, episode, I would like to just express here as well that please seek out some medical advice from a birth professional before you make any decisions on your own. All right, let's get into today's story. Hi, Paulina, and welcome to the Nine Months Podcast. It's really wonderful to have you on and to be able to speak to you today about your birth stories. So if you could start by introducing yourself and your family and a little bit about you guys.
1: Yeah, hi, Hi, Lisa, thank you for having me on. Um, I love talking about my birth stories. So this is this is it. this is great. Um, you know, I'm from Russia originally, and um, i read in some Russian book that if you meet any woman, if there is like this one subject that she will always gladly talk about is her birth story. Yeah, she'll just she'll just talk about it, even if it's if it can be bad or good, it doesn't matter. But it's so, like, it doesn't stop being exciting. No, that's so true,
0: isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, my name is Polina Jamlichka. now. Um, uh, I was born Polina Ulandeva in Russia. And then when I was 13, I moved to Switzerland, to Geneva. And that's where I met my husband. And that's where I had my kids. I'm my husband Martin and I went to the same high school, and we even had like this platonic, uh, lovely holding hands sort of relationship when we were 17, 18, and then uh, had a huge fight and didn't talk to each other for seven years. And then he found me on via Instagram in 2013. We met again and pretty much never parted. He he just came over to Geneva. I was in Geneva at that time, and it was just very clear that we wanted to be together. So, and we immediately knew we immediately knew that we wanted to have kids. And I never wanted kids, never. I had plans. I I got into grad school. You know, <laughs> I was supposed to be like an artist in the ceramics.
0: That's a wonderful
1: story. And who and who are your babies? Uh, our babies are Tao. And Imro. Teo is going to be six in November, so less than a month. And Imro is three and a half.
0: Super. So should we start with your journey to becoming pregnant with Teo, then? And sort of uh, did you guys plan for this pregnancy? And how did you find out that you were pregnant?
1: You know they always tell you when you're a teenager that like you will sit next to a boy and get pregnant. So you have to be very careful about what you do with them and how you do it. And then you get to this point of like, it's not working. (laughs) But you're actually trying to. Um, So that was kind of our story. We just, we decided that um, Martin proposed very quickly. And as soon as he proposed, I had a mental breakdown because I was like, but I'm going to grad school in Denmark. And it was clear that I had to choose because I don't know. I had this moment of like, I knew that if I, can we swear on this podcast?
0: (laughs) Yes, we can. That's okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: If I fuck this up, I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I very quickly understood that we have to be together and grad school is not really... Not now, at least. Uh, so we just stopped using uh, protection and said, "Well, if it happens, it happens." We wanted to um, to have kids right away, uh, but it wasn't happening, and we were having a lot of sex, and it was still not happening. And I started; it was interesting because I started listening to my body. I started sort of understanding when I'm ovulating, um, but months went by and I wasn't getting pregnant, and I'm like, okay, you put all your plans on hold. You take, you know, you do some freelance work, and it's not happening. So it was a little bit unnerving. Um, and then I'm, I'm pretty sure I had a very early term miscarriage at some point. It just now looking back at it, I kind of understand that's what it was. And then, so maybe it took us like half a year, seven months. It seemed very long, but. Actually, it's a it's a very good and successful story. And so we actually we went to this ball in the Prague Opera. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's when Tao was made, <laughs> like, like the night after the ball because I like, I was right. looking for for signs and I started peeing on sticks like pretty much right away. <laughs> that's another thing they don't tell you. you cannot pee on a stick right away. It's not gonna show anything. Like you have to be actually a couple of weeks pregnant for it to show up. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that was fun. Um, so it's a lot of learning there. And yeah, and and then I found out, and it was a very, very, very faint line. And it was great, and so it was a very successful sort of, um, you know, I w- we weren't scared or anything. Um, it was just a very happy pregnancy, and I didn't feel sick, and I haven't thrown up once. I felt great. I also uh, was working uh, from home. I was doing freelance work so I could sleep until 11 and that's my only symptom I just got tired uh, and I would sleep a lot and that's all but otherwise I was just very
0: happy oh that's nice to hear did you did you go through your whole pregnancy then here in the Czech Republic no um, I was
1: still living in Switzerland uh, most of the time Um, and uh, my Insurance was there, so it just made sense to to do this the pregnancy in, in Geneva. So I was I went, you know, it was funny because I was I yeah, I, I kind of like I think I overestimate how comfortable I was because my parents really wanted for me to, to come to this family event in Geneva, but I was visiting Martin here because we were kind of living between Geneva and Prague and um and I was like I didn't tell them yet that I'm pregnant and I was afraid like can I fly <laughs> so so I was like <laughs> I don't know if I can fly I'm pregnant and everybody found out very early um yeah so um so what what was I saying oh yeah so so I got to this family event in Geneva and called uh OBGYN at the uh, the university hospital and I was like I'm eight weeks pregnant. I do I what do I need to do? And they're like, well, if you make it to 13, call us. <laughs> they they wouldn't um
0: like they wouldn't make an appointment or anything. In Switzerland then, your um the model of care is that you come in firstly at, at about 13 weeks, and that's when you establish connection with your OB, or do you go to a midwife, or how does it work in Switzerland?
1: Well, now. Um, I know that there are many different ways you can go about it, but because I didn't really know anybody who had a baby, I was 27, yes, 27 years old. Um, That's pretty early to have a baby where I come from in Switzerland, my friends didn't have babies yet. And it was very late for somebody in Russia. So I'm, I'm very, I'm staying in close touch with my friends in Russia and they've all had babies by that point. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of assumed that it would work like in Moscow, for example. So I called the OBGYN. I was like, I am eight weeks pregnant. I would like to make an appointment. They're like, if you make it to 13, call us back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And that was a bit shocking for me because in Russia, there is a policy of like save every pregnancy. Right you start spotting they put you in the hospital they put you on progesterone just as a precaution measure it's Mm -hmm. it's a bit crazy how like fight for every life and it sounds so noble but actually it's just so kind of um i don't agree with it um i've had miscarriages in my life before my first kid after my first kid and you know like i understand why they happen Mm-hmm. and maybe they should happen if if you're losing a baby at 6 weeks gestation it's you should lose the baby unless you have like a long history and you need professional help from the very beginning and so on so yeah um so eventually at 13 weeks i went in and the way it works in in geneva is that they pair you with a midwife and so midwife follows your pregnancy and you come in and do like tests and um, ultrasounds and so on, but she's your main contact person. And then um, during birth, it's not the same person. I mean, I think you can make arrangements so that it's going to be your specific midwife or your specific Dola or your specific um, like private doctor. But I just had a very basic insurance and I didn't, I felt comfortable for it just being like a random person. So you have like a, a constant midwife who follows your pregnancy, but it's completely out there set of people when you come in to actually give birth.
0: Right. And did you know, did you and Martin plan any kind of specific birth? Did you have a birth plan or were you just going with the flow of your midwife and the hospital and all of these things? You know, they don't ask you to write a, a, a birth plan. I knew about the concept,
1: I wanted to uh have a natural birth like as as natural as it, it was possible. Um a lot of things went wrong there. Maybe I I think I would have done things a little different. Now, like I I didn't realize just how much how much you have a say because they don't advocate for you. They don't tell you you are able to make all those decisions. The way things are phrased is that the protocol is now we're doing that. What they don't tell you is that you can say, no, we're not doing that. We're doing something different. Mm -hmm. So I had a really good, I had a good pregnancy. Uh, Everything was great. I felt awesome. Everybody was happy. It was the first grandchild in the family, like amazing. And then um, just like any. Like a lot of first pregnancies um, last longer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, we know that they can go over forty-two weeks and the baby is still fine. Yeah. Um. So, I was planning to give birth in Switzerland. I was there, uh, like, and Martin was supposed to come, and then Martin would come for the forty weeks and. No baby, no sign of the baby. The belly didn't drop. Like he <laughs> would like fly for work trip and then come back. And we tried everything. Like we tried, and sex and spicy food and um. I have uh, some very scary pictures of me jumping on a trampoline, very
0: pregnant. Oh, goodness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, for some reason, it, it, it felt like a really great idea at the time. and was really fun. But now yeah. I'm thinking, like, what was I thinking?
0: Um, we all just want the baby to come out at that point, don't we? <laughs> we'll do just anything. come out. Yeah. Just yeah. come out. Like, yeah. <laughs> get out of me.
1: Um, right. It was just getting... Uh, tiring and very difficult to sleep and I started having uh, Brexton Hicks every night. I actually went in um, twice for a false labor
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and what it was a really strange story once I actually I, ca- I could have sworn my water broke because I had water all over me and I was sure. So I've read about it that it can be like a bubble because I came and they like do the swap test and they're like, no, 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 there's, there's no water.
0: Yeah, right. They can test it and see if it is bad or And sometimes they just tell you that you...
1: And I'm like, I'm not crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sometimes I've heard that people, they get told that they've just peed themselves a little.
1: <laughs> but I did not. I can swear. Like I've, I've, I've collected it. My mom smelled it. It had a different, slightly rosy color. Like it was mm-hmm. definitely not pee. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, I was like, okay, well, let's go home. And then the next time it was like, oh, the contractions actually calmed down. And, uh, but then at some point, yeah, there was, um, I think it was four, five o'clock in the morning and I started feeling the contractions and then more and more, it was a very slow labor with both of my kids actually.
0: Yeah. And how far along were you when you went into labor with Theo? I was 41 weeks and
1: five days uh, and they were starting to mention induction and uh, that was not pleasant. So hence all the exercise. I remember doing like sit-ups and running, (laughs) anything to just like budget, but he wouldn't budge. Um, So that night, I again had, I thought I had Braxton Hicks again. But then, thank God, it was like, it was, it felt different. It started just getting more and more intense and more and more painful. And um, by the time everybody got up, it was like seven. And my mom, did I, I think my brother was still, wasn't, oh, yeah. So my mom Uh, said okay take a shower and then we're gonna go everybody was was very calm it was clear that even if things are progressing um they're progressing quite slowly so maybe by like 11 we were at the hospital and my mom went in with me um i think i would have not made the same decision (laughs) to bring your mother you had to bring my mother it was not i was like yeah I, I wanted my mother there it was my first birth my husband was like oh i need to buy a ticket and fly he was like on a business trip in germany
0: oh he wasn't there when you went into labor
1: no yeah so my mom was there with me okay. and uh it was great uh they admitted me um and we they took me up to the Because they first admit you and you're in some like sort of a cubicle. and If there's a lot of people, you have to wait a lot, which I've discovered with my second uh, birth at the same hospital. But uh, with the first one, it was immediate. Like we went up. It's amazing, actually, because this is like your basic university hospital. And I've never seen anything like that. They have this giant room. They have um, like a place for you to change. They have a dock for your iPhone. You can put on music. You have giant windows with a beautiful like fern outside, and the the sun was shining, and I was still you know like not screaming or anything. It was just very slowly progressing, and they offer to bring you tea, uh, or food, or you can bounce on the on the chair on the, on the on the on the ball, or you can hang from.
0: The chandelier. No, but they (laughs) can (laughs) hang really that that sounds like fun. (laughs) They
1: have those scarves that are attached to the ceiling. Oh yeah. And you can and you know, like it's a very it's very interesting. So when you pull yourself up on the scarf, actively using your upper body muscles, your lower body uh, has no choice. It has to relax. Right. So if you're doing it during a contraction, that really, really helps. Yeah, And of course, there's like the, the birthing table, like you would have in any hospital. But also there's like this giant sofa, like like a queen bed size sofa. So it's clear that, you know, you can, there's a choice of how you want to give birth. And my water didn't break yet. So they offered me to go to a jacuzzi, which was like this special birthing purple bath. It was amazing. It was so cool. So you had that in your
0: room as well, This the bath?
1: It was like an adjacent i think two birthing rooms share the jacuzzi and it's like first like you know uh it was like we- winners keepers losers weepers oh goodness so, like, I was gonna-
0: <laughs> you were the winner there so i guess I, got- yeah.
1: <laughs> I was there and they also had the scarf so the the warm water plus like the pulling yourself up it really helped but then uh, the rosy story. Uh, I mean, and of course it was getting more and more painful and my mom was there with me. And I think the, um, but they was not progressing fast enough. Mm-hmm. So I think by like 5 PM, I mean, they came, they kept coming in, checking my um, dilation, how dilated I am every couple of hours. And at some point she was like, no, you're three centimeters, four centimeters, but you have to be five now. And I'm you know how they do it yeah and you're like um so they were like we have to uh give you oxytocin now and i had no idea what that meant um so they're like oh no at first they were like we're gonna break your water so they broke my water but it didn't work so they then they did the induction thing the oxytocin or pitocin or whatever yeah and then they tried to break my water again And I was like, okay, with a little hook. Looks really vicious. Yeah. And then once the Pitocin started working, oh, my God. Like, those contractions you have on Pitocin are completely different. They're very violent. They're very painful. And it was done to me in that jacuzzi room because they just put a drip into, like, like you know, you have, like, a valve on your arm. And they can just plug in things into there. They plugged it in. And they couldn't peel me off the linoleum floor. I was like, I'm not getting up. I'm just, I'm just staying here on this floor in this room. And uh, yeah, from then on, it wasn't that fun. And that, that's when I was like, I want an epidural. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't planning for an epidural. And I was, I felt really good. Um, but we were waiting for an epidural for about 45 minutes or an hour. It was really painful. But at the same time, I have to say, like, there there were really nice staff. I was dealing mostly with midwives and nurses because the doctor comes through just to look at your charts and ask you if you're okay. Very rarely, Mm -hmm. unless there is some indication for it. Yeah. So they kind of show up, but they don't intervene. Yeah. Um, And the nurses were so nice. I remember this nurse holding me and trying to help me be still. Uh, while they were putting the epidural in. The nurses were really, really nice. And they switch every eight hours. And I was there for a really long time. But um, there were, like, every nurse I got was just amazing. And the nurse who held me when the epidural was being put in, she was like, she was so, I don't know. She just held me. She really held me. Mm -hmm. and overall, just the staff that is with you when you're giving birth uh, are incredible because you're giving birth with a midwife. The doctor doesn't come in unless it's a very serious situation. Uh, So what happened, I mean, obviously after they put the epidural in, it stopped hurting. I didn't have a bad reaction. Um, It just really stopped hurting, and what they do is they give you this button that you can press to mm-hmm. edit, so if it starts wearing off, it's not like and for example, I know that in Moscow, they decide how much you need,
0: yeah, like
1: they are the the power in the room, at least there is this moment of like I don't know, you kind of have like some control right. or the feeling of control anyway, so I was by that time, I had to stay in bed, I have a personal. Um, I have a, a theory about why I needed, why they thought I needed to be hurried along. It's because my, my mom was there, but we were not concentrating on what was happening in the room. Uh, my middle brother uh, was a lot of trouble um, at that time. And they were having a fight via SMS with my mom. Oh. And she would read me his answers. And ask me to help her come on with a rebuttal. Oh, goodness. And I think, yeah, so I think I was just really not in the process. I was not there. I was not present mm-hmm. for my birth. I was trying to avoid it. And, you know, like, it, it's like as if I was watching YouTube instead of actually, you know, concentrating what we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I do regret that, but you know, what happened, happened. The rest of the night went pretty good. I remember I f- got very cold at some point. I started shivering. Uh, my mom had to cover me up with my winter coat. and um, But then at, 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 at the time when they were like, oh, you know, uh, you're ready. We can go for it. Actually was very, uh, I don't know. It felt like uh, my mom said I looked like a Viking. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes you know they like they they can even yell at you or at least in in Moscow I know that they yell at you that you're not trying hard enough or you're not pushing hard enough. I was like, oh yes,
0: we're gonna do this, and so I was
1: I was very into it. And he was born very
0: fast. Was Martin there? Did Martin make it to the birth?
1: <sighs> Martin came in five minutes after he was born. So Tel was born close to midnight, mm-hmm. and like. I was still being sewed up because I had an episiotomy. They they, they cut open uh, the vagina because, you know, I don't know, they like doing that. <laughs> it seems like.
0: Did they ask you or did they just do it? No, I think,
1: I think they just kind of like give you a fact. Uh, technically, you can say no and they cannot do it then. But I was not informed about just how much. Um, how many how how much of a decision i can make so they were just like we need to do an episiotomy i'm like okay Um. (laughs) (laughs) you know what was interesting though um when you're pushing they put this mirror this like so you can see your vagina Mm -hmm. and opening and so that actually was really helpful because when I pushed, I saw the results of my pushing. That's really cool. Especially for people who are um, on epi and we don't feel uh, what's below the waist. So it's like, it's not as intuitive as for somebody who's giving birth without sedate, you know, like um, painkillers. Yeah. We don't feel when to stop pushing or if we start tearing. So I think it's another thing with epidurals, uh, they cut you open more because it's worse than if you tear. It heals worse if you tear than if they cut you right. uh, at a particular angle. So if you tear, you usually tear through your perineum, like towards your butthole. Mm-hmm. And if they cut you, they do it to the side. And it's much less
0: painful to heal that. Right. That's what I've read. Yeah. Did you know that it was like time to push? did you feel anything in your body like oh, it's time now or did you just oh yeah, yeah, yeah you
1: feel the contraction because your your entire stomach just becomes like stone hard, so that's usually the time to push, but they do they do walk you through and they tell you to like no, no no hold it now or something, but it was not their it was not at all their goal to help me um uh-huh not tear for example but uh i also have to mention that i'm a pretty small person and Tao was four kilos 100 grams which is a lot for our first baby he was a big baby um and with a big head and when he was born oh my god i'll show you a picture like you he looked like an like an eggplant yeah like his head was an eggplant yeah and he looked like alien from the movie and you could see the separation, like this little step, like a, like a staircase step between his pl- like skull plates. So he was definitely being like squished in there, <laughs> coming out.
0: He, I mean, it's incredible how they look like that, I think, just like, I don't know. And then, and then it goes out, it goes away in like an hour or two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very quickly. Very quickly, but you know at the same time i'm I'm saying like all those things, and I'm critical about the choices, but um, I think I have to take responsibility for a lot of those choices. I could have talked them through. I could have said, "I don't want this and this and this, and you cannot do it to me. I don't agree mm-hmm. but um everybody was so caring and good and and I remember the oh what I really las- I liked about them is they always asked. First of all, they always addressed me, madame, and not by my name, Mm -hmm. but by my last name. And um, there's respect in that. Yeah. And they're also, they always asked me, like, can because it's a teaching hospital, for example, right? So that, can a student inspect you? Like, can they measure you with their fingers? And I I didn't mind, because I'm all for teaching. Or can a student sew you up? And I was like, yeah. I think they can, but keep the, keep the epidural running because I was starting to like lose the, I was like, yeah, but it took them like three times longer than it would take a professional who has experience. But there was something very nice about that so that your, your, your birth becomes somebody else's story too.
0: Right. For sure.
1: And then five minutes, five minutes later, Martin walked in and held the baby while they were like sewing me up we have all the pictures my mom was very in like in the way very very much
0: in the way she was everywhere yeah
1: yeah (laughs) it's just like the second time
0: (laughs) i was like you're not coming (laughs) yeah i was i was gonna say that did that make you change your mind (laughs) about your next birth most definitely yes <laughs> yeah yeah and how was everything postpartum how long did you stay in the hospital and like how did you feel with the episiotomy and going home and taking theo home and all of these things
1: i um so so the people with whom i was actually actively giving birth were like superheroes and they were on my side. I knew that they really had my best interests at heart and they were they were amazing. Hmm. People in the postpartum are the most condescending bitches I've ever seen. Cause they tell you like, oh, you're not feeding right, you're not holding right. You're not you know, so it's just like so I didn't pay for a separate room. I was in room with four other places. There were there was another mother um she her baby kept crying they wouldn't really come and help uh they woke us up really early and then they would just like just you know i went to the bathroom and i left my baby in my bed just surrounding by like a pillow and a cover And i got yelled at i'm like he can't turn over <laughs> <'Cause> nothing <laughs> is gonna happen to the baby and they're like the baby can fall out I'm, like how how is that possible Anyway, I was like, Martin, I want to go home. He's like, I beg of you, please, at least one night. Just sp- spend a whole night. Because by the time I go to the room, it was five. Uh-huh. And then by six, they kind of switch the fluorescent lighting on and wake you up. Yeah. And I was so hungry. And it was never enough food. Like, I didn't know. My mom was like, you should have just asked for more food. But I just felt so, just bring the standard breakfast. But I just spent like 24 hours giving birth you know yeah i'm i was starving and by lunch i was like dying and then after lunch i was not full and i spent another night and and then i just packed up they were really against it against me going home and blah blah blah. and i was like guys just seriously yeah yeah there was a bit of shaming there you know like i i had a much worse experience with my second one i'll tell you when we get to to that because then i wanted to leave right away and I was much more informed about my rights.
0: Usually people stay three days. Oh, three days in, in Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, yeah, on average. Yeah. And how, um, how was it when you came home then? Oh, another thing in the hospital that was really good
1: for episiotomy, they give you like a liter of water with a concentrated chamomile solution in there. So every time you go pee, you kind of wash it. It's like a douche that you do with a chamomile.
0: Oh, that's great! I what's that called in English? It's called something bottle. Goodness, I should find out because that's a uh, that's a really good um, tip for people. Even even if you don't have an episiotomy, uh, I think it's quite wonderful. Oh God, I I bought it and I I used it later. I just I just bought the solution and would just do it at home was amazing oh it's called it's called the Perry bottle i think
1: yeah i think so i think so so it's just distilled water with a concentrated alcohol it's not it's alcohol based but you don't feel any alcohol because it's so concentrated it's good it's very good and then later yeah i had i had some trouble uh it hurts what they do in switzerland unlike in the usa they don't give you um hard painkillers which is good they just give you a ibuprofen and a parsinamol and they just say switch those up so i think by the third day i was not taking any you get i mean you kind of get used to everything yeah yeah um and when we got home it was great it was it was fine um i had help i i mean i was living at my parents at that time and i had help but i didn't want any i had this giant surge of energy for the first 10 days and then a complete collapse but the first like I, I i was euphoric i was um i didn't have to rest i didn't have to lie down i was running around the
0: place i was cooking <laughs> it's just like um it was amazing it was great yeah that's usual i think that we i think especially after the first baby is what i've read a lot and heard a lot about is that there's something I don't know if it's hormonal or something, but you just Must like be. been through this ginormous thing in your life and given birth for the first time, and you just like I can do mm-hmm. everything, and then after a couple of weeks, you're like I can't do anything anymore.
1: <laughs> and I mean, I remember like do, do do you remember how like the 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 belly is still there, like the baby is out, but the belly is still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's so strange because you think you're just going to deflate, but you don't. You practically look the same. And so, like, um, I've had in the past, like, in my teenage years and my 20s, I had body image problems. I had an eating disorder. But then I, I was unfazed. I was like, I'm mighty. I'm strong. I'm good. I can do anything. And I was like, and all these girls like my girlfriends from high school started showing up to see the baby and they were all of course very curious because as I said nobody has given birth yet and I was like ecstatic I told the story over and over again I was like and I felt good about my story Mm -hmm. like I know that there was Pitocin and there was the tearing of the waters and there was an epidural but it it didn't make me I think it it made me think that the way personnel and doctor staff uh nurses behave can really um can really make you can, can really change how you feel about your birth yeah even if you
0: have all those interventions yeah and interventions aren't always it's not i mean there's some sort of stigma out there all the time that like everybody should just like you know go out into the forest and free birth yeah and it's not that i think it's just like stories of birth it's just it's just so important because every birth is is beautiful and however however your child comes out of your body really is like it's beautiful and it's like how we are supported and how um how people yeah how how they can support us and and make us feel or make women feel uh empowered yeah yeah empowered by their by their birth and if if that involves all the interventions or a cesarean section or 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 if you're having a home birth or whatever it might be it doesn't really matter at all you know it's just I completely agree
1: yeah I completely agree and that's that's a little bit of um sort of um I don't know what was the right word. It's a risk of making a very elaborate plan, Mm -hmm. I feel. I think there will always have to be a but there. My plan is blah, 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 but the most important thing is that the mother and the baby are uh, healthy and everybody, you know. Yeah possibly alive would be good.
0: Yeah. Oh goodness. <laughs> because yeah.
1: that well it's another thing. I mean, I've talked about it. I mean, my mom um is she's she's, she's not a very char- good character so far in this story, but actually she's a she's a wonderful wonderful very wise woman. But um I have to just say that the story with my uh middle brother was really bad. And I can completely understand her um, being so obsessed about it. And it ended very badly. My brother was a drug addict. Um, and then later he died of drug overdose. So my mom's preoccupation with him, even though I'm like right in front of her giving birth, I think that can be forgiven.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: We're really close and that's another thing, like she always confides and asks for advice. But what she's, what she's told me once is that it's such a place between life and death. It's such a um, transient, mercurial state when you give birth. You're so close. Um, in some cu- cultures they say that you're not even here. Yeah. You're somewhere else. Yeah. And I, there's, um, that has to be respected,
0: yeah. I feel. Yeah, definitely. In any shape and form, for sure. Yes. Oh, that's nice. That's a beautiful wrap to, <laughs> to Teo's, birth story. Oh, tell was great. Tell was, uh,
1: I started breastfeeding, like, in, you know, they tell you like your milk is going to come in later. Mm-hmm. Mine came right away. It was amazing. Oh, at some point, at some point, like it came in all the way, and then I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross details. I couldn't pump it out, and I was afraid. Like it was just hot and red
0: and rock hard. So I sucked it out from my breasts myself. I don't know if I could have reached myself to do that, but I'm happy that you could.
1: <laughs> Mine were kind of baggy. Yeah, and then like they were they were big, and then eventually they became baggy, but. Um, yeah, it was possible. And that, that really, I think saved me a lot of grief.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's called, I think, mastitis that you can get when you just get it, It like it's like blocked, um, blocking the milk duct, I think. And then you can't, you have to like have, um, I don't know if it's antibiotics or something, but you can get an infection really. So I've seen people who had to have like a,
1: like a hole in a tube put in, because there would be like fuss and all this gunk yeah it's pretty it's pretty bad so yes uh, if there's anyone if there's anyone out there who can reach their boob themselves (laughs) um ask your husband yeah ask your husband it's not one i've heard before no
0: i don't think so either Mm -mm. all right so should we Jump into your next birth story. When when did you guys know you wanted another baby or did you plan to have another baby?
1: We wanted to have kids very close in age. We both come from families with uh, uh in my family there's three of us. In Martin's family, there's four of them. So we knew that we wanted kids to at least have somebody to fight with, you know, at home. Yeah. <laughs> um so I was ready to go right away but martin was like no let's just finish breastfeeding and then blah, and so on so oh which was totally fine because i didn't have my i didn't get my period until tell was 10 months old right i was very actively breastfeeding uh which was great it worked for both of us uh, very well i originally uh was very against cold sleeping but then it proved to be a lifesaver yeah so So we co-slept, and then when he would just make any sort of sound, I would whip out my boob, stick it in, and just go back to sleep. Yeah, and it just (laughs) just worked. Yeah. Um. So, uh, we started trying after Tao was one year old, and it was not really happening again. And then I had a couple of miscarriages. Uh, They were early term. Maybe like six weeks to nine weeks, mm-hmm. but uh, but it's already like i I don't know, maybe you're more in tune with your body, mm, but I could I knew it was going on. I remember being in bed once, and I was like, "Oh, Martin it's happening again. He's like, what I'm like I'm actively, plus you're going such a through a, such a hormonal roller coaster that you are unreasonable, you cry, I don't know, yeah. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer, a believer in like good riddance. Yeah. Um. If it's not good, then let's just get it over with.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's also sad, you know, you, we're also allowed to feel sad and feel like something like, you know, that we were excited about maybe for just a short amount of time. And then, you know, and, and also something that it's not talked about so much when we have yeah. miscarriage and and honestly like the the numbers are really high like they say that one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage I know and, the, and a lot of uh, there's a lot of dark numbers too or whatever you call them in English like um ones yeah. cases that are not reported because they were so early or, or cases that we wouldn't really notice you know
1: oh of course mine are not reported at all
0: yeah, exactly. So, so there's a lot of pregnancies that end in miscarriage. We don't really get to process it so much openly. Like we just, it's, we sort of get on with it and I don't know.
1: Also, I'm not, I'm not quite so deep in the religious tradition. I'm baptized, baptized my children and uh, it's definitely considered a loss of life. Huh. But in my personal views, I just, i You know, I think if I was um, tending to a friend who went through a very early uh, term miscarriage, I would listen and I would be uh, careful to read her signals about it. And if it was a loss, then support her through that loss. I think for me, it was however different. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel it as a loss of life, however crude that might sound. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Republican.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we all, we all process it differently. I think. Maybe that's also
1: how my psyche ma- makes peace with it. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, you know, just let's get over it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Maybe, but yes, yes. It's sad. And I also was, I was more sad that it's not happening. I was like, Oh, but if that be, if that pregnancy stayed, we would have kid by let's say like this month and they would grow together and we were getting concerned because we planned. So we were, we were like, well, let's be proactive about it and let's not wait around. What if something is wrong? Mm-hmm. So it's much easier for a man to get tested. So Martin actually went and did a spermogram. Yeah. And we never went back for the results because we got pregnant again. And I'm, I made an appointment in Geneva at the fertility department of the same hospital And I came in and you have to make an appointment uh, way in advance. So I came in and I'm like, I feel really silly because I made an appointment, but I'm pregnant again. So I don't really, well, we can't do any testing on you right now, madam. So good luck. And if you need our services, please come back. But that one stayed. Ah. We were very, you know, the, the effect of three, I think three losses that we've had. Um, was that we were really not allowing ourselves to be happy about the pregnancy for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell um, people uh, early when I'm pregnant, um, way before the twelve, you know, end of first trimester, yeah. because um, I believe it's good to have people uh, know what's going on in your life. Mhm. Like if you're going through, I don't know, your third miscarriage and nobody knows. Yeah. Uh you're not getting the support that the that that you could have been getting. Right. So I I tell when I'm pregnant right away to people around me who care uh who matter. Mm-hmm. Uh so people knew. Um but I think m- me Maybe I was cautiously happy, but my husband, he wouldn't even want to, like, discuss it before, like, week thirteen. Right. He was like, I'm not ready. I don't know. I don't want to get attached. I don't want to get hurt. Um, Strangely enough, I think I'm more emotionally detached, and he is much more, like, sensitive um, sort of soul. Yeah. So I think he was just feeling it a little bit more than I was. Mm. Uh, but um. Yeah. Eventually, eventually was good. It was a good pregnancy again. I didn't feel sick. I wasn't. I was fine. Um. Up until I think about halfway through, where they do that. Oh, we didn't discuss that with Tao, but they do the glucose test.
0: Oh yeah. The for the goodness. Um. Diab- yeah. Diabetes. Diabetes,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Diabetes. So with Tao, I had it. I had the test. It made me awful sick. I felt horrible because... Um,
0: the test itself? Yeah, they
1: give you the this, this syrup. They give you the syrup and I had palpitations, sweating. You have to stay there like for two hours. I hated it. So for the second one, I was like, I have more agency now. I'm going to skip it. Uh, I'm not gonna do the test. I'm ready to like buy a glucometer and measure my sugar regularly, like diabetic, but I'm not doing the test. But um, the way they do this in Switzerland is that they take your blood at some point close to the time of the test. And if it's normal levels, they make you do the test. But if your levels are already elevated, they just do a second blood test to confirm it they'll label you gestational diabetic, diabetic and that's what happened to me okay so maybe because my body was so tired from breastfeeding and pregnancy breastfeeding and miscarriages um maybe because it's some genetic predisposition i'm not overweight i don't smoke i don't i, I mean I, I can have a beer bad drink like i don't eat processed sugar pretty healthy person i mean You taught me how to be a yoga teacher. I'm a yoga teacher. Uh, I'm, (laughs) I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty healthy person, so I was very surprised. Yeah. And at first, it was manageable. Um, I got a glucometer. They they gave me one at the hospital. I just had to regularly check my blood sugar in the morning, and I excluded and after after eating. So sugar was out definitely, like right away. No no candy no cake. Uh, Soon it was no bread. After no white pasta. After uh, whole brain, whole whole grain uh, was out as well. After that, it was like, you can't even have buckwheat. (laughs) It was just, just very quickly, we got to the point of like insulin injections uh, at nighttime, because overnight, my body would start producing all this extra sugar and dumping it into my bloodstream so i would wake up with really high levels of sugar yeah i could control it with my diet for like after i eat it would not go up but overnight it would
0: yeah and how did how did it make you feel did you feel okay or were you just worried about it a lot or
1: i was not worried about it but um it made my lie, lie, like, like uh, diet very close to paleo. <laughs> it's like the first time I actually looked into it. No, you just can't have carbs. You have carbs, your sugar rises. They're like, well, um, the night insulin is long-release insulin. But like, if you can manage it with diet, we're not going to give you the short-release insulin that you have to have with every food. Like I can control myself. I'm fine. But it was pretty limiting. I was very slim. And trim. I think I've gained like nine kilos total with him. Yeah, which is very, very low. Like with the first one, I think it was close to fourteen.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, nine is like just the baby and the placenta and the the amniotic fluid, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I I gave birth and pretty much like I had like a two or three extra kilos, and I'm pretty sure it was water weight. (laughs) Ridiculous. (laughs) I was very. looked very good. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> but uh the problem with that one was because when you have um because they have protocols for freaking everything. They have they don't trust you. They they look at your weight and like I have gained very little weight. I eat freaking paleo I'm fine. They're like no your diabetes is making your baby large. Yeah. And the longer we wait the larger it will be the baby. I'm like, I'm fine. My first baby was f- over four kilos. I can do this. And they're like, actually, now you're 37 weeks. So we would appreciate it if you had your phone turned on at all times starting next week. And we will call you when we have an opening, when it's convenient for us. And we'll call you in and induce labor because your baby is definitely going to be big i felt so upset about that i mean i felt good that you know we can plan maybe martin can come in maybe it's good that the baby. you know by the time you're like come out come out come out come out um yeah but seriously when it's convenient when you have an opening like
0: i felt really really salty about that yeah um and you were May I ask you also, sorry to intervene, but may I ask you, you were still in Switzerland and Martin was in Czech Republic and going to come.
1: He was traveling back and forth.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was going to come yeah. for the birth or that was the. Yeah. Birth.
1: Like just like other time. I mean, I wasn't hung up on like, you have to be there, but I'm like, yes, once once it's happening, you have to get on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Pretty. Yeah. That was the story. And Tao was with me and my parents were there. Um. Yeah, it was it was good. It was I think it was very important time for my family. It was a big deal for everybody. It was like new life. We were all coming back from. So when my when Teo, when my firstborn was seven months old, my brother died. So see, maybe all the messaging and the obsession kind of yeah yeah it kind of made sense. It yeah it very very quickly it all ended. Hmm. Uh, so when the second, I mean, they moved because uh, the cemetery where my brother was buried was on the way to town. So every time my parents would even go to grocery stores, they had to drive by the cemetery. It was too much for my mom. Uh, they moved to the other side of the lake. It was a new beginning, new house, uh, new school, new house, new things, new baby. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, that w- that was very good. I think that was very good. So, so I think that's the most uh, interesting part of our podcast and the most controversial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to tell the story and yeah. just a disclaimer, this is I do not recommend this to anybody. Um you should all mm-hmm. go consult your doctor and do exactly what you're told. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't having any of it, and I decided. Um, well, my choice was, to be frank, to stand my grounds and to say, my baby is going to be born when my baby chooses to be born, and fuck you, and that's my body, and you cannot do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I was basically evaluating, do I have the energy in me to be um, standing mm, the ground and. Fighting this battle
0: mm-hmm.
1: and confronting them, it can last for another month. Yeah, with the calling and the visits, and every time you visit, you have to like, uh, I don't know, advocate for yourself. And I was like, yeah, I don't mind the baby coming out earlier, but it's gonna come out when I decide on the date that I choose. It just it really got to me this whole like we're gonna call you and we're it was getting to me like they're gonna choose my baby's date of birth Mm -hmm. so i decided to do it myself (laughs) (laughs) all right well i had a good night's sleep i woke up in the morning on monday the 13th took a shower washed my hands wore medical gloves separated I don't know how it's called in English. You know, when you put your finger up the cervix and separate it from the amniotic sac, mm-hmm. they sometimes do it. Like they were, I read, I educated myself a lot and I knew what they were going to do to me. They were going to do that. To a different finger was going to go up there
0: and do the circular motion to separate. Yeah. It's called a sweep in English, getting like a cervical sweep. Yeah. Or a stretch and sweep. Sometimes it's called as well.
1: Yeah. Um, no so the stretch. I'm against stretching. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So so I why did I make that choice? Uh, the baby was low. When I felt um, the 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 cervix was definitely thin. I was at least a centimeter, a centimeter and a half dilated. Mm. I could feel the head with my finger and I could feel the bubble of the amniotic sac. So the head is definitely pushing down it's already, like, arrived into the, what is, into the hips, like, it's lowered. And I was like, okay, because I would, definitely I was thinking, like, is this going to be dangerous? Yeah. And what if I, what if something, what if we blow the waters and they all go out and the head is no, not there? And Yeah. Anyway, so I did the sweep. And then, um, with a very high heartbeat, actually, did the little hole? Oh, with my fingertip.
0: Did you mm-hmm. break your own waters? I've never heard this story before. <laughs> yeah. How did you do it? With your finger with your fingernail, or did you have a thing? I did it with a fingernail. No, oh. I I was
1: not sticking any sharp objects out right. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, i was yeah. Like no, I it was really interesting because once once I did the sweep, mm-hmm. um, I could really I I knew where the head was and there was like this bulging bubble. I was feeling it with my finger um, in a glove, but it felt very rubbery, like rubber against rubber almost. And I was like, what if you rub it in the same place? Well, if you rub it in the same place, um, it breaks. So it broke. I was like, all right. And immediately you, I mean, I could feel the labor starting. It It was immediate.
0: And did like all your waters come out and or was it just like... No, 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 no. It was just
1: a little drip, like Mm -hmm. a little tiny bit, like much less than the show in the movies. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. His head was really lodged in. So only the thing that was under his head actually came out. And then like when I sat down, maybe moved a lot, then some more would seep out, but not much. I basically, I cleaned up, went outside, Said, Mom, my water broke. My mom was, uh, my mom makes, makes pies uh, for sale. Mm-hmm. So she was like, Okay, let me finish my pies. Then we're gonna, we're gonna. I mean, I was planning to to deliver them at 11 30. I'm like, Well, it's 10, no problem. I was so calm. There was some, I don't know. I remember when they broke my waters before giving me bitocin. It felt nothing like that. Maybe because I wasn't calm or I wasn't present. I was too much into conversation with my mother. This time it was different. I was calm. I was excited. I felt agency. And then we just, my got all my stuff. We got to the hospital. Uh, Tell was in the back with my mom. My mom was like, okay, good luck. <laughs> I called. I mean, and I was like, you can buy the ticket. It's definitely happening today. He's like, how do you know? I'm like, mom, my water broke. Don't think about it. I don't think my I don't think Martin knows. Oh, <laughs> so uh, I got to the hospital, checked in. It was oh before that, before going in, like they don't really like you having too much food because you might throw up. But I'm a big food person, you know. Like I need my energy, and if this is gonna last a long time, so I went to the the hospital cafeteria, got myself two sandwiches. Um, <laughs> it was like. <laughs> uh i even got myself a coke i was like i'm a diet I'm, I'm a gestational diabetic but come on this is the last stretch i can have some sugar some energy went in and then it actually for this time around i spent a really long time in the waiting room not waiting to be admitted but wait, waiting to go from that little cubicle uh with a bed up to the gorgeous room with a view. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was taking me up there. Um, And I decided that I'm going to have an epidural when I'm ready. They say it's not good to have an epidural before you're sufficiently dilated. Otherwise it can slow down the labor. And the labor was progressing so fine. Mm. Just like textbook. uh, Very step by step. And... So at a certain point, I felt like, you know, Martin has arrived by 6 p.m. Um, he was with me and I was like, I am ready for my epidural. And they're like, oh, oh, darling, no, we're backed up. There is a reason why we didn't admit you is because everybody but you are having horrible births. Are there something's wrong with the baby or the mother is in distress? We're doing C-sections left and right. We can admit you in maybe like two or three hours. I was holding off. <laughs> I was kind of like waiting until it really hurts and now it really does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Martin was trying to entertain me. He was reading me like some ridiculous advertisements from like um, airplane magazine. Uh-huh. But I remember I'm, I'm really actually I'm so thankful that I, they, they didn't give me the painkillers when I wanted them because I had to work at doing it myself. I started breathing. I was um, bouncing on the chair on the, the bowl. And I can really help the bowl. Mm -hmm. Uh, You take some of the pain away during contraction. I was mm, consciously relaxing into the contraction. And my body definitely started releasing some hormones that felt like, I mean, I haven't tried drugs, uh, uh, definitely nothing heavy, but it felt like morphine would feel like, you know? Yeah. Because my Brain got all hazy, and I remember there was one point when Mar- Martin was talking at me, and I just like a slur came out of me. Like, Please stop! <laughs> like I can't process. <laughs> I just, it was just I. I was like, um yeah, it. It really just just a person on morphine. Just uh, ah, yeah. I couldn't think. It it felt like it took too much energy to listen to him. Yeah. I went so inward and it was good. Like it it hurt, definitely, but it was good. It was amazing. I always tell about both my birth stories that it's the most most exciting thing that ever happened to me. You know, it sounds so banalic. Like, the miracle of life. No, it's it's a miracle. Something's happening to you. So bizarre. And then they came and they're like, oh, we can admit you now. And they put me on a freaking metal uh, chair, wheel wheelchair, and of wheeling me around fluorescent corridors and rooms. And by the time we go there, I'm like, Yeah, slap it on. Get it in. <laughs> We're done. My 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 trance state was done. Long gone." I was just in pain and horrified. And then um, <laughs> when, they came, when they came and administered it, uh, it was really funny because my husband fell asleep. <laughs> he just was asleep. And I was finally up for talking. I was like, wake up. I want to chat. <laughs> like, yeah. This, this is fun.
0: <laughs> and I have pictures of him sleeping on the couch in the delivery room. So, how long did it take after you got your epidural for you to be ready to push? And-
1: so, I asked for an epidural at like six. They gave it to me at like 10. <laughs> I have long births. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you know, it was I think a little bit, one, 1 30 in the morning he was born. So, I spent another good uh, three hours on an epidural. Maybe it was a good idea because it saves you strength. I don't know. Um it felt like a good a decision at the time. I go with it. And then uh and then the pushing came and it was great, except they cut me open again. <laughs> it's just I don't know what their obsession with the cutting open it, but um
0: I don't know because I've never had an NPC But if you have another kid, do they like cut the same place again to make it like or do they do it differently or seems
1: like they did for me, yeah. They did. They did i'm not sure that's the best decision this time around i got infected uh, pretty badly uh, my fault also because I'm, i remembered how long it took for the paperwork to be done for town so i started like the next day we already i was m- walking around taking trains and public transport and i it was just again i think there was a surge of energy but there was no uh no such collapse. So with the first one i remember uh 10 days in i cooked something and it didn't turn out right and i cried yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was like no it's not right This is ridiculous <laughs> yeah
1: with the second one it was it was no longer no
0: so he was he was born a perfectly tiny baby three kilos 300 grams really and they said he was gonna be big it's always off though It's always off. I don't think they can actually tell that good how big the baby's going to (laughs) be.
1: No, they they didn't know that toe was going to be ginormous either. Mm. But still, he was smaller and they still cut me open. I'm not sure that was necessary, but all right. Okay. Uh, The good thing about that is that um, this one is that Martin was there with his camera and we actually have pictures of like a bloody head sticking out of me.
0: Oh you showed me those. Those are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. They're amazing.
1: They're incredible. Yeah. So yeah, that was good. And then again, um I was giving birth with the with the troops, uh with the troops of superheroes, and they were amazing and supportive and oh, I love them. You know what also happens? They have this like uh, button that they give to the father, and they say you're the main person in the room. When I tell you press the button, and when he presses the button, the baby just came out. Like the second the baby is out, and this tr- and the, all these people that are standing outside run in. There's a pediatrician, there's the doctor to check you out. There's a person who saw you up. There's um people who stay in the corridor, which would have come in if you needed an emergency C-section. They're not in the room. You don't hear them, you don't see them, but they're there. The whole floor knows you are in active labor. And when that button goes off, they're like, what if the baby is not breathing? What if the baby is in distress? What if you are in distress? What if you have a seizure? Like there's a whole big group of people waiting for something to go wrong. And the necessary ones come in when they're needed.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Instead of having everybody in there when when everything's going down yeah for sure i've never heard of that
1: yeah it's just you and this one other person it's just you and the midwife and your person of
0: choice so in in switzerland the midwife is allowed to deliver your baby yeah yeah oh that's wonderful yeah also i forgot to mention
1: with Tao after you give birth for the first 10 days um your insurance covers a midwife it's a completely different midwife But they're from an association of midwives. The same woman comes to you every day to weigh the baby, ask you how you're doing, and offer any help uh, necessary. So there is a support system. That's wonderful. Definitely. And the first time, I didn't really have a good connection with my midwife. It was nice that she was there, but I didn't feel comfortable with her. And with a second midwife, she was an incredible woman, a very different she was older, wiser, and she told me that you don't have to stay in the hospital. you can have um what do you call it ambulatory birth. You come in, you have a baby, you spend two hours, and then whenever they have char- time to just charge you, they just charge you so you can you can wait a little bit uncomfortably for like four hours or something. But it's better than having to be transferred to that stupid post delivery place. They no, they, I didn't know that yet. So they put me to post delivery. Immediately, I'm trying to sleep. It's four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. This midwife, this nurse comes over and she's like, "I'm gonna take your baby now." I'm like, "No, you're not." And the second time around is so much better. You can actually be like, yeah. "Nope, <laughs> <laughs> nobody can really yeah. fool you." I'm like, "No, you're not." And she's like, have to measure the baby's sugar because you had gestational diabetes i'm like there is no need to take him out for that she's like it's more convenient for me to do it in the corridor and i'm like i don't care what's convenient for you honestly she's like i don't really know how to do it in the bassinet i'm like give me the baby give me the glucometer no i i pinched his uh whatever you know they do it on the baby foot measure the sugar i said the sugar is fine Leave us alone now. And that was the story. So it took me, I woke up, and you have like a bed, and next to it, like there's a rolling sort of side table um, that you can unfold and fold, and you can can have your stuff there. And so uh, I had breakfast, and then people started coming over. And whenever, like, you know, because you have a gynecologist, then like a pediatrician, then somebody else comes over, and they all talk to you. Yeah. And like, I'm like, I need to leave like no 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 you know you can't I'm like yeah we're we're leaving and they're like oh the baby needs another test i'm like is the test here yet and they're like no 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 it's not and i'm like i'm going <laughs> and they're like no 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 you can't and then this woman comes in she's like okay uh what is everybody gonna have for dinner i'm like i'm not gonna have dinner i'm not gonna be here for dinner and she just became so mean she came she's like she wrote her eyes and she said of course you're not. And then she came back and she took away my rolling ta- side table. <laughs> <laughs> she said, like, you're not going to be here. So you do not need your side table. I'm like, seriously? Like, <laughs> Wow. So, so you see like the difference? Mm-hmm. There's like completely different people going into this profession. It's not the same people who, who help you deliver the baby at all. And the pediatrician came and she said, you know, it's dangerous. What if what if uh, he starts like feeling bad? I'm like, we'll get into the car and drive over. It takes 10 minutes. She's like, but we can observe him here. I'm like, I'm a mom. I'm observing him all the time. If he turns blue, I'll notice. What is the difference here? I have a glucometer at home. Like, by the way, not a single problem with the sugar with for either me or him ever again. That midwife who came to visit me for 10 days after Imra was born was very different. She had a completely different school of thought. And she was like, yeah, if you have a next baby, just have an it's like ambulatory birth. You come in, you have a baby, you come out. Mm-hmm. You just have to declare it ahead of time and then they don't bully you. They don't yeah. get on your case. You know, I was talking to my uh, mother-in-law and she was giving uh, birth in Switzerland as well. And she, I think. It just shows that we're all very different. When she had her fourth baby, she said she loved spending time in the hospital. Yeah. She didn't get, she didn't want to go home right away. And also she loved giving her baby away for the time that she sleeps. And I'm like, I can't imagine
0: not having him like right there. Yeah. We're all different. I think my mother said that too, but it, maybe it comes with when you have uh... – several little ones at home and you're just like i need i need a couple of nights sleep here before <laughs> before i jump into this i don't know i think it's just like we all prefer different things right we all prefer and want different things for our births and postpartum and and i think it comes back to what we talked about just a little while ago now um just that we should feel supported in our in our wishes there as well um yeah so, so if you need support postpartum and you need to stay for a couple of nights maybe you should be able to ask for that and then like if you don't want to and if everything's fine you should be able to be supported that way as well
1: I think I was sharing a room with a woman after Imra was born and she was uh, talking the doctors into allowing her to stay longer even though she was there already for four days Mm -hmm. having my children was very empowering for me I felt very confident immediately After having my children, I knew how to hold them, carry them, wash them, clean them and anything, feed them. Just I didn't need anybody's advice. And I took it almost offensively. Just get out of my way, Mm -hmm. especially when they're teaching you. And I'm like, if I need your help, I will ask for it. But the side effect of that was I spent so um, I think it was almost a month after Teo was born my mom asked do you think I can hold him and I realized she hasn't because I didn't let anybody he showered he, like if I showered he was in the sh- in the room with me on the floor um in like a cocoon or he was just with me I remember the first time um so my mom's friends came over to see the baby and they brought some like Baby clothes and this one woman, she just she gave me the present and then she held out her hands, like she had a right, and she said, "Give me," like, "Give me the baby." And I remember I did, but I felt awful. I felt really bad, held, held, you know, handing over the baby. Yeah. Yeah. And I still remember that he's six years old, (laughs) you know, like in two weeks, but I still remember how much it hurt me it hurt me to to give my baby for 2 minutes yeah
0: do you know why that was
1: i don't know but i mean i was ha- i was happy looking at my mom hold my baby it just didn't occur to me to hand my baby to her before mhm <laughs> i i really appreciate that she didn't um barge in but the second one it was a little easier i have to say especially because you're like Taking care of the older one, and you're always thinking, oh, "I should spend him a little bit more time here." The baby doesn't care who's holding him half the time. With a two-year-old, it's much less negotiable who's spending time with him.
0: Yeah. All right, Paulina, Is there any before we wrap up? Is there any uh, references or anything? Um, I know we mentioned the Perry Bottle. I'm going to put that on your show notes page. Uh, but any books or anything you'd like to share?
1: Uh, we can put it into into links, right, under the podcast, because I think I really like Odense um, Hypnobirth. So the French guy who helped women give birth into the sea in a megaskin, and also the happiest baby on the block. Um, I know friends who swear by it. I never had a screaming baby. maybe baby never um, fussed, uh, but i've heard from some parents who couldn't sleep for like a year that it's a it's a really good book happiest baby on the block
0: cool okay so we will link to all of these on your show notes page after yes and uh, so thank you so much for being here and sharing your birth stories with me today it was a journey this one it's really lovely to hear it <laughs>
1: for listening as i said before i love telling the story
0: thanks again so much Paulina, for sharing your stories with us here on the nine months podcast today if you have any questions for Paulina don't hesitate to reach out to me at the nine months podcast at gmail.com where the number nine is a number nine as usual or you can go to my website at nine months and send me a message there and i will forward anything that comes in to her personally um you can also go to the website and check out any other episodes that might interest you Or send me any feedback or anything that you'd like to hear, perhaps your own birth story. Who knows? All right, that's it for this week, guys. We'll see you again next week.